All right. On this week of Back of the Bird, we have Philadelphia wing Ben McIntosh. We talk about the cross in the Olympics. Jordan McIntosh retiring from the PLL. Article on my big brother Dan and an all-time neighbor story. So, without further ado, welcome to Back of the Bird. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. You got a spine of steel and a roar of thunder. And we're back. We are back. I'm back. I'm actually, I actually am back after a brief hiatus, thinking I could record a podcast on a dad's weekend with four dudes and four kids. So that was a big mistake on my part, but glad to be back. But this is episode 95. Donnie, who do you got? Uh, Chase Frazier, Jared Smith, also, I believe. Uh, maybe Vancouver. No, it's in Sask. Um, okay. Am I missing somebody? I don't know. Ninety-five. Not many ninety-fives. We're gonna we're running out of people and numbers here. So closer to the the century mark, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, as always, back of the bird episode ninety-five brought to you by Cottage Springs. They got the new spooky. Th- session coming out so keep an eye out for those the halloween special you know maybe um actually don't maybe don't hand those out for trick-or-treating but bring them <laughs> to the halloween parties again in a couple couple weeks we'll hopefully get a little maybe costume contest or something i'm just speaking out of my bum but we'll we'll get something going we'll we'll offer prizes that we won't give out but we'll do something but uh donnie how you doing buddy i'm all good man uh, I'm back out in Denver, uh, staying at my girlfriend's place right now. <clears throat> uh, she actually just got home, so I, I'm upstairs on a standing desk, actually. So I feel like I'm, uh, if I'm moving around too much, you know, I'm, I'm standing up and uh, I feel like I'm like a reporter doing some sort of a live hit here. But um, yeah, no, life's good. Uh, good to have you. Good to have you back. Uh, alone, we couldn't be on tonight, unfortunately, due to some work commitments. But, uh, you know, you got to hold the rope. Got to pick up the slack. Next man up. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we hopefully get on a nice little roll here of, of having episodes out every Friday. Uh, as a reminder, everything now going forward will be on YouTube as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So um, I believe you can actually watch, not I believe, you can watch on Spotify as well. So uh, be sure to enjoy the video. I think it certainly adds uh, a little bit and we'll continue to try to build out uh, our video kind of uh, – profile here as, as we, uh, you know, keep going forward. So yeah, life's good. Training camp's coming fast, man. It's, uh, it's exciting. A little scary though. Yeah. hundred percent. It's always that, um, that nervous energy before first, uh, first week of camp, first training camp, you're always, you're always nervous going into the first, first weekend. Don't know what's really going to happen. What, what the physical testing is and all that stuff, but it's, uh, yeah, it's getting real. The emails will start flying. I know you guys had a zoom call. So, kind of everything's coming full circle like teams are getting back together now starting to kind of <laughs> ramp up with the emails and getting ready for everyone's camp and uh yeah i mean training camps here and seasons you know what I, what i see today 45 days away so yeah it's 
here before we know it, man, which is exciting. It's kind of like I was saying this to, I was working yesterday and just, you know, talking to a guy and like how, how you feel, but this is kind of like almost a dog days of training. Now you, you train so hard and, you know, there's like two weeks left, but you just want to get back into playing here. You just want to get back on the floor. You're kind of sick of running shuttles and bagging yourself. You want to just get out there, be back with the boys. So, um, yeah, man. So yeah, it's crazy. But, uh, um, I actually got a funny, just start with a quick funny story. Um, so we had a, we had a neighbor move in just like kind of like on the corner of my street and I was driving by the day. I'm like, man, it looks like a guy I played junior hockey with. And then, uh, anyways, but like, I kind of drove by, didn't say anything. And then I like looked to see if I had the guy's number, don't have his number anymore. So I'm like, okay. Like, but then there's been this buzz around the neighborhood that, you know, this guy, he's blown his leaves too much. He's blown his leaves every day, which I'm just like, I mean, the guy's taking care of his property. Anyways, fast forward today and like two or three people have said this to us and people are complaining. I'm like, whatever. Anyway, so I'm like, I, I drove by him again. And I tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, I think this is my buddy Cal Friday. So anyways, I'm walking to the park with Mac today and this guy like comes buzzing around the corner basically does like a 180 e-brake and reverses back into his driveway and i'm like walking towards his house and he's got music blaring so i see him like back in and i'm like fuck that is friday and his music's blaring so i'm like okay i'm gonna yell at this guy so he gets out of his car he's like in his garage and i'm like hey hey he kind of like turns around i'm like turn the fucking music down <laughs> right and this guy just gives me the biggest stink i'm like friday He's like, who? Oh, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So <laughs> I walk over to the guy. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. I thought like classic. And I, this is like, other than snakes, this is my other like biggest like fear is like going up to somebody like, hey, oh, you're not. So I like, now I'm in this <laughs> awkward conversation. So I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. I thought you were a guy I played hockey with, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, that's why I was yelling at you to turn the music down. Anyways, he's like, yeah, no problem. He's like, fuck, man. And this guy, like, I mean, to be honest, he's like, he's like my age, but this guy was a huge dick. He wasn't a dick to me, but he's like, yeah, like all these people are complaining. I'm blowing my leaves. And I'm like, yeah, I actually heard about that. And he's like, they can't do a fucking thing about me blowing the leaves. Oh, wow. Jesus. Is that the hell you really want to die on, buddy? Yeah, I'm like, well, you know, welcome to the neighborhood. I'm just taking my kid to the park. Sorry, like, sorry for the uh, misidentification. But, yeah, just like, hey, good luck in the neighborhood, man. Try not to piss too many people off. See you later. <laughs> yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, it was my uh, awkward, awkward moment of the day. So, and then other than that, man, Pat leaves over. I'm back at work. So, real life is, real life is back to uh, the summer. Paul is over, officially over. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, big news of the day, obviously, uh, we, last time we had chatted, uh, you know, the Olympic thing was close. Uh, it's here across the 28 Olympics. Uh, pretty exciting, obviously. Um, yeah, that's, it's the news of the day. It's the news of probably of the year. Um, I kind of said my piece on it last week. I think it's huge for the world, uh, the the game on the world stage. But I'm way more excited about the effect that it will hopefully have on 
the stage here in Canada and, and you know, bumping up, uh, you know, youth participation numbers and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, Paul, I don't know if you have anything to add there. No, I, it's, you know, it's more exciting for some people in this podcast than others. I think um, I'll unfortunately age out of the Olympics in 2028, but Donnie, you know, you have a shot. But, yeah, man, um, it's actually, like, obviously we heard it was like, I mean, I heard, and I haven't really been following it, but then everyone was posting it, and I didn't really clue in. I still thought they just, like, accepted it as, like, a potential sport. Then I finally click on one of these links. I'm like, Jesus, like, no, we're actually in the Olympics. I was Crazy. like, holy shit. So, again, kind of a, a huge win for the sport. And, again, just super jealous, super excited that, you know, guys most likely I've played against are going to, you know, get to go to the biggest sporting event in history. But like you say, I think hopefully – I was having this conversation with a guy at the gym the other day just about, you know, kind of the classic, like, lacrosse is so cool, like, it's the best sport. And just how we're on this, like, climb right now. And, you know, over the years, I've seen the climb. I've seen our dips in in the sport of lacrosse in the league. And we're on this climb right now. And this could be a huge thing to kind of keep us on this trajectory and kind of hopefully take us over the hill and, and you know, again, become – maybe a full-time sport who knows but uh yeah just super excited i think um you know as a kid everyone watches the olympics and i think everyone you know whether you play sports or not would always like to be a part of the olympics it's the biggest sporting event in the world so just uh you know crazy that it actually uh came to life so pretty pretty cool for sure yeah uh it's awesome you know, a good day. You know, it's uh, you know, it's a good day in the cross when NLL, PLL, and everyone's kind of tweeting about how uh, you know, awesome some news is. So, um, <clears throat> moving on, uh, just to some other stuff I saw, a really cool article, uh, Polly, uh, about Dan. Really, it was about you though, <laughs> um, uh, by our guy Adam Levi. Check it out on NLL.com about Dan retiring. Uh, but it was really about you know you guys together and you kind of now playing the league. Um, without without Dan for the first time and that kind of thing, so uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Maybe you know, give me your thoughts. Yeah, it's just gonna be nice to finally get the spotlight on myself. It's <laughs> yeah, been seventeen long years of just living under my brother's shadow. So, you know, I'm looking to have a breakout season at 38 and just collect all the accolades. So, um, I'm on my way to 1400. I think I got you know 98 points, so I got a, a little ways away to go, but starts uh, this season so I'm, I'm going for 1400 so i'll be playing till 75 and uh, no um yeah i mean again I, I actually had a good conversation with brody um finally got a hold of the mystical creature brody and just had a conversation with him about you know his retirement and it's just again it's gonna be super weird not to see both those guys in and obviously i think everyone knows how tight me and my brother are and you know there's, there's not many people that are going to have a bad word to say about him. So, you know, anytime I get to talk about my brother as much as I joke and, and shit on him, I am super proud to for him to be my brother and probably who I am today because of him and my dad. And just, um, yeah, man, I just I, I love to get to talk to him and it, or get to talk about him. And so, yeah, pump his tires away from 
away from his face. To his face, I don't pump his tires. Only away from his face. Fair enough. Well, only 1,300 more points to go. So uh, yeah, expect, a big, expect a big year out of Paul Dawson this year <laughs> um, <clears throat> offensively. So I had this in the notes, Paulie, because I saw um, the Philadelphia Wings held an open tryout and they signed uh, a bunch of guys from that tryout. I think it's awesome. Uh, I know some of the guys personally who got signed. Uh, you know, make no mistake, these guys are legit uh, fucking baller lacrosse players uh, who are trying out this team. But just maybe wanted to, you know, kind of point that out for our, our listeners and viewers. And, you know, have you seen that type of stuff before? Um, maybe how has that kind of process changed just to give folks, um, you know, a, a look into maybe how you can make it in the league if you're not necessarily drafted? Yeah, for sure. I think um... – I think teams are going to start bringing it back again because you never know, right? There's It happens in any sport with the PTOs and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, again, especially for teams in local markets, it's an easy way, first of all, to kind of get exposure to your team and just kind of get the excitement going. But you might not know necessarily what you have in your, in your market. But it did used to happen a lot more. Then again, I think COVID and and that kind of stuff brought it back down. But uh, one cool story about that actually is um, Rochester used to do it all the time. So they had an open tryout. And Ian Lord, for whatever reason, fell on hard times in Buffalo and got cut. He went to the open tryout, made got through the open tryout, made Roch, we won a couple of championships together. And now again, he's, he was a first round pick when I was with me. And now obviously he's been in the league ever since. So this was probably back in like, I want to say 2013, 12. So again, a little bit of a different story, but it did used to happen more. And again, I think it's a great way for teams to try and find hidden gems, especially local market guys that are, are living in the area. And, and again, gives people a chance, again, whether they've got hurt, never had that chance to get drafted, you know, so on and so forth. So I think it's a, a really cool thing. And, and again, I think it's just a cool way to kind of strike off your season and get some buzz around the team. And yeah, so I think you'll see more and more teams doing that. Yeah, no, that's a really cool story. Um, it's funny. I've never met Ian Lord, but I could just I can hear Lomas impersonating I think Corvidarelli's version of the Saint Lordy just through the podcast. I can hear it so clearly. And I've never no, met Corvidarelli or shut up, Lordy. Shut <laughs> yeah. up, Lordy. It's funny. It's like that's the first like Lordy in that voice is my first recollection or like thought. Um, and I've never met like almost any of the guys involved in those stories except for you and Dan. So. Yeah, um, he's one of my favorite teammates of all time. I got the obviously played with him in Roch, played with him in Victoria, but yeah, he's uh, he's an all timer for sure. Yeah, and then the other last uh, you know little piece of, of news I had uh, before we go to to uh, Ben McIntosh here is uh, Jordan McIntosh, uh, no relation there, at least not that I'm aware of, uh, retired from the PLL uh, this week. Re- retired from the Chrome. Uh, he got the nice graphic, uh, which. I'm sure it'll cost him two bucks in the in the Georgia locker room, but um, Oakville legend, uh, really just an awesome legendary career in pro lacrosse. Someone I modeled my game after was really good to me uh, when I went to like his camp, some camps and stuff when I was a kid. 
um, and just a guy around the league that people speak really highly of. And uh, congrats on, on an awesome uh, pro field career. I, I don't think he's anywhere close to being done with uh, with box. You know, I think you'll probably see this going forward, especially if you know guys might either stop playing summer ball or just go play summer in Canada. Uh, you know, to end their careers and, and lighten the travel load a little bit. So, uh, you know, I'm sure it's kind of weird for him where he's stepping away from one thing, but he's not, uh, I don't think, uh, not to put words in his mouth, but I don't think anywhere close to, to stepping away from the game in general. But uh, anyways, nonetheless, congrats to him on an awesome, uh, you know, pro field career. Yeah, a guy who kind of, you know, f- kind of flies under the radar a little bit. In both leagues, you know, he's been a national team. I mean, maybe he doesn't really fly under the radar in NLL, but, you know, he's played MLL, PLL, and you look at his stats, like has crazy, crazy. stats yeah. for a guy, a Canadian D3 player. You know, you don't see a guy like that have a career in field like that. So, again, a guy who, like you say, he's he's an all-timer too, just a hell of a guy. We, we had him on the pod and – Oakville legend, like you say, but yeah, a guy who, you know, honestly kind of flew under the radar, just gets the job done, plays the game the right way, and just, you know, the versatile guy who can play so many different positions. So again, hell of a hell of a job, Mackey. And again, I, I don't think he's anywhere close to NLL, but, you know, 12 season in, in field, that's still a hell of a run. Yep. No, no doubt. Uh, Paulie, unless you got anything else, uh, I got something for, for after the break, but, um, you know, let's, I think let's kick it to, to bed Macintosh if that's cool with you. Yeah. I had my neighbor story. That's all I want to get off my chest. Yeah. So, uh, this, this interview as all of our interviews are, are brought to you by Lucky Penny Media. At Lucky Penny Media, we are a full service marketing company without hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you. And when working together, it means everything to us. You are more than just a client. You are a partner and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. Here he is, Ben McIntosh. Our next guest hails from Coquitlam, British Columbia, and currently plays for the Philadelphia Wings. He attended Drexel University before being selected with the first overall selection of the 2014 NLL draft by the then Edmonton Rush where he would play for six seasons as part of one of the best offenses in NLL history. He won a Minto Cup in 2010, three NLL Cups as a member of the Rush, and most recently won a Man Cup as a member of the Six Nations Chiefs. Welcome back Welcome to Back of the Bird, Ben McIntosh. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Did buddy. I get everything right on? in there, Benny? Is that, is that, uh, did I fuck anything up in there? Is that, that pretty much? sounded good, yeah. Yeah, it was, I was following the best I could. I think you got it all right. Okay. You have to only one minto, only one man, and one minto. Yeah, this is the first one. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. So usually, uh, you know, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, we'll. I mean, we'll get into the man, but yeah, like Donnie says, we'll kind of start from the beginning and just work our way uh, through the career, and then all the stops, and we'll we'll get her going, buddy. Thanks Love for coming it. on again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. So how, uh, you know, you said you're you're from Coquitlam. How did you kind of pick up a stick in the first place? And, and you know, how did the, the lacrosse career kind of get started? Just like similar to a lot of families. Um, my dad played and, you know, I had an older brother, Garrett, and he was playing. Um, 
it just sort of ran through our family. So it came naturally or four years old and thrown into mini tyke with the plastic sticks and running around out there. What's, uh, what's the age difference from you and Garrett? Garrett's two years older. So he's at 89. Okay. So you guys pretty close growing up then? Like, yeah, we were, he was, uh, I always had the little brother thing. Um, Probably maybe you had it too, but it's like one day you're going to be be able to be able to, you know, beat him up and win one of these fights one of these days. But (laughs) Garrett grew to be six, four and I stopped at (laughs) five eleven. So never happened for me. So I was going to ask, uh, it it was funny when talking to Paul and, and, uh, Lomi has a work commitment, so couldn't make it, uh, for now, hopefully you can join us, but. I said we should have had you and and Church on uh, together because I was doing the notes and it's like every step of the way you kind of played with him. Uh, did you guys grow up playing together as well in Coquitlam or when did you uh, kind of first play with him? Yeah, it was, um, I think it was around the Bantam age. Um, Church didn't start playing. I don't know exactly when he started, but he uh, he wasn't on our teams in Pee Wee and then um, come Bantam and, and Midget, he started uh focusing more on lacrosse like he was playing hockey pretty competitively for a while but pretty much bantam up yeah we've played together and we've been you know best friends for a long time too so um it's been really cool to be able to share in those experiences and to this day he's one of my best friends and yeah i know he's uh he's a pretty special player too yeah we were we were saying um right before us like obviously it's, it's great to have you on one of the best you know ladies in the game or like fuck we screwed up we should have got you and churchy we've done one done a couple tandem interviews but like we totally oh, yeah. fucked up that you guys are just this dynamic duel in the nll in junior the whole way through so just classic bag liberty we kind of fucked that one up <laughs> yeah time, well the last one we did was was crap and sack well, we did uh we've done i guess two we did mccray and gillies who grew up playing together and we did crap and sack and uh, Jordan McIntosh, which was uh, been the closest thing I could think of to you in church, like minor, yeah. junior, college, NLL. Um, so anyways, uh, pretty pretty cool. So, uh, you know, kind of growing up, uh, obviously you win the Minto in 2010, but before that, like were you guys pretty dominant then through minor or, you know, what was that kind of uh, transition like coming up, you know, getting closer to, to junior age? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I credit a lot of it. We were successful in minor. Um, I credit a lot of it. I think it was our first year in Pee Wee. We only had, we had two rep teams or two A1 teams. One was all the second years. One was all the first years. And that first year in Pee Wee, we got spanked pretty good by, you know, most teams, especially early on in the year. But, you know, it was like a big character builder. Like Jeff Cornwall was there too. And Matthew Dinsdale and, you know, a lot of guys that played at a high level. Um, we're in that 91 age group in Coquitlam. So um, it was cool that that peewee group, like at the time we were like, this sucks. We're getting beat. You know, all these teams are bigger, faster, stronger than us. But honestly, just playing at that competition early on um, was great for us and to lose a bunch. Um, and then towards the end of the year, that year in peewee, we started winning um, a couple games. I think we ended up coming, you know, third or fourth in the provincials. Um but then from then on, we just, we seemed to have it. And, um, you know, that 91 age group, we, we had a lot of success. We got some provincial championships. Um, so it was pretty cool. Who was, uh, do you guys have the same coach kind of growing up or who, who was like coaching you guys through all those years? 
Yeah, we had, um, there was uh, Marty's dad, Neil Dinsdale. Okay. Um, my dad, Jim coached us. And then um, Al Gillespie was the, was the head coach um, okay. for those years. I don't know if you guys, Travis played. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask my brother to play with Travi in uh, yeah. San Jose and play in the LL for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask if that. Yeah, so Travis is his Al's son. Nice. Okay. So you, so you guys yeah. had like obviously pretty good coaching growing up too, which probably helped as well. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and um, you know, we credit a lot of our success to them. I mean, they were just, you know, it was, we could go out and, you know, beat a team by 20 goals and they still give us a hard time or, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they never took it easy on us, which is good. It's funny. Uh, we've had, you know, a number of guys on now who uh, had dad, fathers who were, you know, prominent players or, or at least, you know, had a you know, big career in the game and we get a lot of different answers. Some guys, their dads are pretty hard on them. Some guys like Schreiber, I thought it was hilarious said like, I've never made a bad play. My dad thinks everybody else sucks, but me, uh, where does your dad kind of fall on that spectrum? Is he pretty hard on you or, or you know, a little easier going? Uh, you know what? He, he doesn't fluff anything up. Like he's, you know, one of the guys I know I can go to and I'm going to get a straight answer. Like, am I playing bad? Am I playing good? Like he'll just give it to me pretty straight. He's always kind of been that way. He wasn't really, he wasn't a lacrosse player himself, really. He played a little bit, but um, he was into basketball and baseball and, and somehow stumbled his way into coaching lacrosse. So, um, That's cool. but no, he's just, he's a straight shooter. He'll, he'll, you know, he doesn't try to boost my confidence. He doesn't try to knock me down. He's just pretty honest, which is, is helpful. Yeah, for sure. So moving then into, uh, you know, into kind of the junior A uh, cycle. I know you won in, uh, 2010. What, uh, which year of junior was that for you? So I played, I played in 2009. We actually went to, I think it was Brampton. We went to, um, we got beat pretty good there. Like we weren't even really that competitive with like the Brampton team and Orangeville team. Um, and then, so this was my second year in junior. Um, and we brought in mouse, brought in Mark and, and you know, some heavy hitters. So it, it, uh, it helped that way for sure. What was that like? Uh, you know, I was fairly young at the time, wasn't really aware, but like for Mark to basically be the best player in the country and to go East to West, you know, from my understanding is relatively unheard of. What was kind of that like when you realize like, you know, we got, you know, we got Mark Matthews and, and now we have a chance to not, maybe you already had the chance, but now we're really in business. You know, to be perfectly honest, like, you know, we heard of Mark and like sort of knew of him, but back in 2010, like it wasn't, you didn't have all the highlight tapes and there wasn't nearly as much hype about players. So, you know, we knew we were getting a good player. I don't think we knew how good of a player we were getting. Um, you know, you just, you hear a couple things, you're, you're reading inside lacrosse, but there's not all these videos. There's not all these things that you, you get nowadays. Um, so we were just excited to have, you know, a, a big lefty O guy come play with us. And it turns out he was one of the best lacrosse players in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that was just a, a bonus. <laughs> that so is, what you, uh, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, I was just going to say, cause like 2009, like I'm just yeah. trying to think like obviously timeline, but yeah, like I was just going to say like probably back then. Yeah. You, like, you wouldn't really have known. Right. Yeah, like, you know, like, you yeah, but, yeah. but like kind of a hell of a surprise, like, you know, you're going to get a good player, but then when he shows up, it's like, 
holy fuck, like this guy is, yeah, super legit, right? So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of, it's kind of almost, you know, like the, the day and age now, like just like everyone knows everyone, right? Like in junior or anything, you just know who everyone is just with social media and stuff. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to have that like mystery guy disappear and then like be better than advertise, you know? Yeah, no, it, and it totally was. I mean, it didn't take us long to figure it out when we got there. And even I was actually at, in high school in Ohio. And by the time I come back, Mark had already had like 50 points and we've played like six or seven games. I was like, okay, this, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, it helps that he's 6'5", too. It's like you meet, you see the guy and it's like, I remember my first time seeing him play Whippy. It was like, okay, who's that? Um, pretty cool. So, so what do you remember? Um, I, maybe before we get right into the Minto, what was it like playing uh, for Coach Miloski there? Because you said he came in the same year. Um, mm-hmm. had, had you guys already had a relationship with him? Because I think he's also from maybe Coquitlam or, uh, you know, what was that kind of like playing for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he was intense. Like, he's still a pretty intense guy. I think he's, it's maybe toned down a little bit, but I'll tell a quick story. Like, so again, I was we kind of had built a little bit like the 91s had a little bit of a name for ourselves. This is being like a good younger group of people. Um, it was the first time the year before, uh, the first time Coquitlam has been to the Minto cup in a while. Um, so anyways, I'm away at school. I'm coming back. I'm now going into my second year. I'm, you know, looking forward to it. Excited to see the team again. Um, we get it in practice. We're just doing like pretty casual, like two on one drill. Um, and I think I was, I don't even remember who I was grouped up with Marty or something. And we go in, we score on our two on one and like we fist bump and Kurt Miloski blows his whistle and he goes, get everyone, put everyone on the line. Like we're just bag running now. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like what happened? Like, what did we do? So we're now on the line and we're sprinting and like, I'm in the middle of the pack on our like, line sprints and he just walks over to me and this is the first practice like i've literally never met him um <laughs> maybe like seen him play lacrosse like i know of him he played in coquitlam and senior yeah. so i've like watched him play um and he just looks at me and goes i don't know what fucking kind of character you have but if i made the whole team run i'd be at the front of this goddamn line <laughs> and that was my first practice coming back and i was like holy shit so um <laughs> Yeah, he was he was really intense. And I never asked him. I still to this day haven't asked him if that was premeditated or if he really was. I don't know what it was about, but yeah, so that was uh, that was day one. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, he was one of the best coaches, and he's a big reason why we won that year. So getting into, I guess, then into that, uh, you know, twenty ten Minto. It sounds like or, you know, you mentioned that you already had that experience, uh, with a lot of your teammates. Um, you know, I looked up the rosters today, both sides, just there's, you know, Orangeville Coquitlam in that series, probably like 30 NLLers, um, you know, in in that, in those games, uh, just crazy kind of talent. What, where was the tournament and what do you maybe remember from the actual tournament? It was actually in Coquitlam. Um, which made it even more special. I mean, it was, it was the first one that Coquitlam had won. Um, so we had a lot of our friends come and, you know, they dressed up like idiots and were really loud and um, a lot of family there. So it was just really cool. It was the first time that I had experienced winning something of like that magnitude and just realizing, you know, 
how hard it is, first of all, um, how cool it can be. And just that like you win with the team and, and you're really a family forever. Like that team's going to be, you know, those are always guys that you're going to be, be close to and, and be associated with for the rest of your life. So um, going through all that for the first time was just, you know, it was really cool and a, a really co- like good learning experience at a young age for sure. Yeah. Just, just, uh, you know, Paul, you can jump in here, but just going through the rosters really quick uh, in order of points from the tournament, uh, Mark Matthews, Ben McIntosh, Robert Church, Riley Lowen, Matthew Dinsdale, uh, skipping down a little bit, Wesley Berg, Tor Reinhardt, Garrett McIntosh, Travis Cornwall, Jeff Cornwall, Nick Billich, uh, Matt Beers at the bottom. Uh, just crazy. Orangeville, Adam Jones, Jeremy Noble, Hellier, Pat Saunders, Cody McMahon, Brock Sorensen, Brad Gillies, Andrew Suter. Uh, I mean, that's like that's a, and D Ward at the bottom. Uh, yeah, like you know, you kind of get the get the idea there. Pretty crazy. Yeah. When uh, so when you guys won, right? Because didn't Churchy live like down the street or something? I remember when we were um, interviewing Mark way back in the day, right? You guys win and just go right to like Churchy's, right? Wasn't it like a three day party kind yeah, of? Yeah, we, we, uh, we went to Churchy's um, like that night, um, and then we had to go do pictures at like our local like um, box place, and some people were stumbling in from not having slept and. Couple guys got tattoos that they pretty quickly regretted. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they got tattoos on the night, the night of the game. Uh, if I like, remember, very soon after. Before, I think there were a couple tattoos. Yeah, um, I mean, at the time they were great, but I'm sure four or five years later, maybe, <laughs> oh, shoot, maybe the best idea. But um, no, it's fun. Yeah, and then we, it, the way I remember is we had one more night after that. So I remember two days of, of um, and just at like people's houses on the teams and all the parents were there and coaches and it was really fun it was cool a lot of local guys so um it's cool yeah what was that like winning with your with your brother too that that's got to be a pretty cool experience yeah yeah definitely i mean it's um it's really to this day the only thing we've you know of that magnitude that we've won together so uh something i'll never forget um pretty cool we got some cool pictures when we were younger and stuff so definitely uh something yeah it's great was that uh was that the first time you do you ever get to play kind of minor with him like just I know obviously two years so you don't ever like go with him do you ever get to like get the call up and play with him in minor too at all or no uh no I never did play with him in minor we did play um at school in, in like high school across together yeah um but this was the first time playing box across together that's unreal so how many so do you guys get three years together? Um, in junior? in junior, yeah, you, uh, 10, 11, I think we had two years together. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, that's unreal. Nothing. I mean, obviously winning a mental is just unreal, but yeah, to do it with your brother is pretty, pretty cool for the parents and just everyone. And then again, like you say, that 91 groups kind of pretty special growing up and then you guys kind of mm-hmm. get the put a feather in the cap. It's one of those things at the time you don't realize like the magnitude of it and um, just having the, you know, three, four years to win it, um, how hard it is to win because of how competitive it is. Um, sort of something you're more proud of as time goes on for sure. Unreal. So you were saying, so you were down in high school in 
Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So how did, how, how did that all come about? There was like a, there was a bit of a connection. The school was called Western Reserve. Um, and Corbin Teo went there. Um, I was with there. I think Teddy Jenner went there. Um, they sort of had a, um, they'll be like a British Columbia pipeline. Yeah. They bit. would come out and look for a couple guys. My brother was there. Um, you remember Trevor Moore? Yep. Yeah. He was there. So there was, uh, Nathan Klein, one of my buddies. Um, so there was a bunch of us, they, they seemed to pull from the British Columbia lacrosse community. There was, uh, the, Headmaster there was Skip Flanagan. He's still co he coaches at uh Avon Old Farms now. Um, so he's still pretty involved, but he always liked to see his lacrosse teams do well and um it's a cool experience as a boarding school. Well, I had questions about about uh you know, two guys. One, uh, you know, I, I always see Kyle in the summers now, uh Kyle Burnlore, who's a teammate of yours at, at yeah. Western Reserve. And uh you know, usually, usually in uh, post game establishments is when we catch up. But uh, you know, what was it like going to school with him? And you know, regarded now as probably one of the top two or three goalies in the world. What was that kind of experience like? It was great. Like Kyle was one of those kids. Like he was a couple years younger than me. Um, but when he came in, he was like he was already really good. Um, he started for us pretty quick. Um, but he was just one of those kids that would like he'd call you up and be like. Like, let's go shoot. Let's go do this. Like he, you know, you see the goalies that are like, oh, I don't really want to take shots. I don't want to. Kyle was the complete opposite. He was like, let's go shoot. Um, let's go do this. And um, he was great. He lived in Akron. Um, so he was only, he was like 45 minutes off campus. So we were able to get off campus and go have a good meal from his family and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But we, I became pretty close to them. And still to this day, like he, he's a great friend of mine. And then another guy you know, we've actually been able, uh, lucky enough to have on the on the podcast, uh, Jake Thompson, uh, who you know a lot of our, our listeners will uh, will know, uh, doing the Northman documentary right now. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother went to school with him at Cornell. A real prankster. Any uh, maybe a funny Jake Thompson story uh, from those days? <laughs> Jake, yeah, he was. Um, so we played hockey together um, at reserve too, and and he was one. Of, he was a year older than us, but we all hung out together a lot. Like he was one of my best friends there. So we played hockey together and this is a, you know, Ohio hockey. There's not a huge amount of interest in it. So we had most of our guys or about half of them were Canadians. Um, and then we had, you know, about seven guys that weren't, um, we could only feel two, two lines really. <laughs> so we had about 12 players. Um, but it was so fun. So our, uh, our head coach is also like, his title there was Dean of Discipline. So he had his hands full with us. But, um, Jake, there was always like the beer league games going on before. And Jake would, um, Jake would go and grab like beer cans out of the out of the garbage or like one of those mini kegs. And he would stick like a trail out of his, out of his uh, hockey bag. And like, obviously drinking was like, I, like you'd get it suspended or even expelled from the school if you were doing that. And so Jake would, uh, he'd go and put all the empty garbage or the empty beer cans in his bag and stuff. And then like the coach would walk in and he'd be like rifling through it, trying to like pretend to hide them. And, um, anyways, he, he was constantly doing stuff like that. Um, really fun guy to be around. Um, just honestly like lit up a room. There's never a dull moment with them. Um, he's still that way. Um, I was visiting him this summer and we were reminiscing in his hot tub, 
Um, but pretty special guy and, and I'm excited for the documentary. So moving then into, uh, you know, into Drexel, obviously we don't have, uh, Churchy on here, so you'll just have to be his spokesperson here. How do you and, uh, Robert Church end up at, at Drexel? Um, yeah, Churchy was, uh, he was the year before me when I went to reserve, I had to, I redid grade 10. Um, so he ended up being the year ahead of me. Um, Pretty like organically, honestly, like he got recruited, just same thing. Like coaches were now starting to pick up, like we got to go to, you know, British club in Ontario and um, all across Canada and see these kids play. Cause there was a couple guys like Mark and those guys are making big impacts in the NCAA. So coaches were out to see church in BC and that's how he got his offer and ended up there. Um, obviously me being close with him, he talks to the coaches and, uh, my brother was already at Drexel at the time too. So there was connections there. Um, and then it was just, yeah, like I was a little bit closer. So it was a pretty, it was an easier drive from Philly to Ohio. They came out to watch some of mine. Um, but yeah, obviously like him being there, my brother being there influenced, you know, my decision to go there. Um, it was, it just made like the transition pretty nice, honestly. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Paul, I think you're on mute. Yeah, it definitely was. Sorry. Um, <laughs> any other schools or was it just kind of Dressel right off the bat and just again, um, like with your brother in church, you just right fit or anyway? There was a few. Off. Like I talked to, I talked to Ohio state um, quite a bit. Um, at this time it was just like, it was hard to make a decision. Cause like I was, you know, I, I think I was in my sophomore year and they're trying to like get me to verbally commit and, um, Maybe I was in my junior year, but it was just like, it was so quick into like the recruiting process. And they're like, well, you got to pick now before I could do anything else. So I, I couldn't decide on Ohio state that way. I talked to Georgetown, um, a little bit. Um, but Drexel was definitely the the forefront and and the front runner from the beginning. Um, I never hear from any ACC schools that maybe would have turned my head a little more, but I never did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They missed out. They're So, uh, you know, I, I was reading, you know, and doing my notes for this uh, podcast. I think he guys made the tournament in 2014. Uh, I, from what I read, that was the, the, you know, the first NCAA tournament appearance for Drexel. What was that <clears throat> kind of um, experience like maybe coming into a little bit more of an unproven program and then, you know, getting so having achieving the team success uh, throughout your time there? Right. Like that was the big thing for us at Drexel. Like, you know, we at the time weren't even competitive with those ACC schools. And um, we had never won the CAAs. Drexel hadn't. So even making the tournament was like a big win for us. So um, we had been close and, you know, we had some some pretty decent schools in our conference, like Hofstra and Delaware, Penn State. Um, so it was tough. CA was tough for us. So when we finally got that win in 2014, we celebrated like, you know, that was our championship for us. Then we got to turn around and go play another game in, you know, a week. So uh, it was really cool. Like it was just cool to be a part of that for the first time for the program. Um, yeah, that that's something like I'll never forget. I know it's not a national championship. I know it's not, um, you know, big trophy or rings or anything, but for us, it was a step for our school and just to be a part of it was really, really cool. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, like you say, obviously everyone, like 
wants to win championships, but to put mm-hmm. like the school on the map is still a huge accomplishment. Like you say, like it's, again, it may not be a championship, but I'll be the first one to win the CAs and actually get to the NCAAs is, is pretty cool. So it's still like a, a huge accomplishment. Um, so, and then Drexel's right in Philly, right? Somewhere in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's actually, it's like right near, it's like 10 minute train ride to the city. It borders Penn, uh, UPenn as well. Okay. Nice. So then, like you said, your brother's there, Churchy's there. So I don't, I mean, I don't think we've had anyone from Drexel on. So I kind of like, what's the school atmosphere like? What's it like going to school there, being in the big city? Like, how was all that stuff? It was cool. Like, it was, um, it's kind of blue collar. Like, we honestly had like notifications on our phones about like, like, robberies that would happen and everyone in the thing would get like it, it's you're in a bubble when you're on campus um but you're yeah. not far away from some pretty rough areas um i'd never lived in the city before so little eye-opening for me but it was a blast we had uh one of our roommates his parents ended up buying a house that could have like 10 people in it so we had a uh <laughs> i know we had basically my grade and churchy's grade combined into one big house and we lived together for two years there so um it was a lot of fun. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a pretty dirty house. I don't know how we ever lived like that, <laughs> um, but a lot of good memories. And uh, some of my best friends to this day are, are uh, roommates from that house. So um, highly recommend like spending some time in the city for sure. Yeah, that's unreal. Actually, like come to think of it, I played, I played junior lacrosse when I was in Burlington when I was first starting. And I'll probably get the, the the story wrong. It was either a guy I played with or his brother mm-hmm. went to Drexel. But I'm pretty sure, like, the story was, like, one of his first days, he got mugged in, like, the train station <laughs> at Drexel. <laughs> like, kid from Welcome Burlington Philly. comes, just, like, excited to go to school and just gets mugged, like, the first day <laughs> at Drexel. So that was, like. That's what I was asking about because, like, now it's just ingrained in your mind. Like, Drexel's like a bad place because it's like this guy got mugged the first day. But I'm glad you got to clear up the air a little bit. It's just blue collar. That's all. It's yeah, not a bad place. Just blue collar. That's unreal. At least well, you you're always... getting the notifications too that that help you stay safe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was daily. It was. I've never experienced any. It almost became like you're numb to it. It's like here's. Unless it was like on your block, it's like, okay, well, someone else has been carjacked at this point. You're like, oh my God. Yeah, Maryland wasn't quite as bad as that, uh, but definitely got like a little bit of that experience. Or it's like, oh, someone got shot like a few minutes up the road. Like, yeah. Not that many minutes up the road, but yeah. Uh, and you, you do you, you almost become a little bit like, uh, just like brush it off at this point and 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, like on campus and everything, there's people out and it's really fine on campus. All this stuff was, you know, a couple blocks off. Did you, were you always a MIDI uh, in field? Cause I know you played MIDI for Canada and for um, pro lacrosse. Was that the same all the way through pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never, um, even high school, I've always played MIDI. Um, <laughs> never played attack. Although practices would have been nicer, but. Um, I liked yeah, it. Facts. <laughs> facts. That's such a good point. What you're doing, just doing ride clear drills for like the, the yeah. fourth hour of the week. And you're like, this sucks. I want to kind of play offense at some point. Yeah. Um, no, I just, yeah, it was always there. I think it just, um, 
I played like a couple games. So when we get injured, you play and it's never really good fit. Um, I guess I needed a short stick. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. That's uh, pretty much the same for me. So, uh, so uh, 2014, I believe NOL draft. Um, what was the process like leading up to it? Were you talking to teams? Uh, you ended up going first overall. So, you know, did you have an idea that's how it was going to shake out? And what was kind of that pre-draft process like? Yeah. Um, I knew, I knew pretty early on. Um, I guess I was now playing in the WLA for Maple Ridge at the time. Um, I had heard, or they had told me pretty early on into the season. Um, anyways, uh, so I was talking to Edmonton and they offered to, you know, fly me out and, and do the whole thing. So I didn't talk to any other teams. I don't know if, you know, maybe the other teams knew or what, um, but it was pretty much Edmonton the whole way. They flew me out and got to go. They actually flew Churchy out with me. So the two of us <laughs> went and met up with some of the guys um, there. And it was the first time meeting like Corbeil and Rubes and those guys. Um, it was cool. It was, uh, we were at the track, I believe. Um, so yeah, it was good. I don't know was, if I've ever uh, heard of that. Someone getting flown out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, they were good. It was, I, um, went out for dinner and got to meet a bunch of the people and, um, just a good way to like kick it all off for sure. So was Churchy there already? Or did he get drafted that year too? He was drafted the year before. So he okay. graduated from the year before I did. Yeah. And then what about Mark? Was Mark there already too? Yeah. Mark was the year before him, I believe. Okay. So were like, were they, I mean, obviously Churchy flies out with you. So, um, mm. he's talking, I mean, he's talking to you, but was like Mark talking to you too before that, like kind of inkling too. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they, they sort of, I had an idea, but yeah, they, they were talking to me and, and let me know. And I'm sure, you know, Mark had, you know, jammers ear a little bit. Yeah. Um, which always helps having people on your side. So it was great. Like, honestly, it, it was, it, it was, I wish I had like a cool story or something for it, but it was pretty bland. Like they just kind of were like, yeah, we're going to grab you. Um, we'll get you a flight first out. Overall, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Um, but nothing like, yeah, no like crazy stories or anything from it. No, it's, I mean, it's still, that's amazing. Um, so then when do you when do you guys win your first championship? It was that year in Edmonton. So, you know, the start of my career, getting drafted to a team that's, you know, one of the best in the league um, was nice. That was, you yeah. know, it's pretty fortunate to go early in a draft and still get drafted to one of the, you know, best teams. So um, we won in Edmonton, then Saskatchewan, and then we'd lost to Georgia, and then we won. Uh, my fourth year again. So it was a, it was a pretty hot start to the career. I'm chasing those again, for sure. hundred <laughs> um, percent. And I think like, obviously we've had a couple episodes here now. So that year when you win it, are you hearing like the move to SAS, like kind of, if you can just kind of replay like from your end there, like I think Mark told the story, but be nice to kind of hear from your end too like obviously you guys win the championship amazing but then like all of a sudden everything kind of gets flipped upside down yes it, it was kind of weird again like i'm 
I was still new in the league and like not, you know, still figuring things out a little bit, even after yeah. the first year. Right. But, um, you know, at Edmonton, the fans that I saw, like it was, we were, we were a pretty good team. We made a good playoff run. We ended up winning. Like we had a lot of fans. So you're kind of thinking, Oh, like maybe we'll stick around. Um, it wasn't until after the season from the way I remember it is it wasn't until after the season that there was like buzz about like the arenas coming down. Um, they're building the new arena in Edmonton, um, which is where they play um, like the yeah. Oilers play now. And they're like, they're not going to let us play out of that arena. So it became a point of like, we don't have a place to play there in a couple of years or whenever this comes down. So Bruce, our owner at the time was just trying to be, get ahead of it and was like, all right, let's go to Saskatchewan. Um, we were obviously received really well there, but we had no clue. I remember us going into the first game in Saskatchewan and we were on the bus and we're like, how many people? Like, let's take, we're almost like making like bets with each other. Like they might, what, like 4,000 people here, maybe like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we had no clue what to expect. Um, all the numbers are pretty low. And then we get there and there's like, you know, 12, 13,000 people in that place. And it was like, holy smokes, like um, pretty eye opening. And it was uh, it was really cool that first game. But I don't remember the talks really happening until after the lacrosse season was over. And then so then when whatever the move happens, you moved to SAS that that first year when they're there or were you flying in and out? Yeah, I've I flew in and out. I've actually never lived in market um, until okay. now, Philly. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. No, I flew in and out um, from Vancouver. It wasn't too bad. Um, no. Um, but yeah, we. I think the only one. I think Dilks and Billick, maybe just Billick lived there. Honestly, I think he might have been the only one. Yeah. No. Honestly, like living in Saskatchewan would have been fun though. Like it was just the way the like team was received by the town was like, honestly, it was night and day from Edmonton. It was, um, it was really cool. Like you, you, uh, you got treated really well. Um, people liked, you know, knowing people that played on the team. And so it was really cool. How, how many of the titles did you actually win? Like the game was the final game was in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, just the one. Okay. Um, yeah, what, we, we had one in Saskatchewan. And what was that? Which one was it? And, and what was that like actually, you know, winning the cup in, uh, in Sask? Um, it was against Buffalo, I believe. Um, and it was, it was fun. Like there's arena. I don't know, John, did you ever play in, you never played at Sastel, did you? We played it once last year. Yep. Okay. And yeah, it's just like the atmosphere there is, it's awesome. Like they packed the stadium. Our first couple of years there, it was literally like sold out the whole time. So um, it was loud. It was like, it was just crazy. Um, so that whole atmosphere playing was really cool. After the game, you know, um, it was just nice. Like a lot of family members there. Um, so we got to see everyone, went out to, um, the bar with everyone and, and uh, the staff and family members and everything's there. So it's always really cool, especially doing it at home. Um, talk to a lot of fans and <laughs> um, it was fun. 
And just kind of, you know, on the subject of, you know, playing in Sask, we had, uh, we had Lyle on last week and, and obviously you guys played together this summer and he was talking about how, you know, you have ball carriers and you have maybe pick setters. And then he was saying that the hardest guys to find are the guys that kind of do both. And, and he was talking about Randy and yourself. And, um, I, I think I agree with that. I think everyone probably agrees with that. How'd you kind of learn that style of like, Hey, I'm going to get off the ball more than maybe like other first round picks, uh, but still produce at a super high level. Where did that style kind of come in? Was there a coach or is that just kind of how it always was for you growing up? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it was maybe junior lacrosse, like, um, ended up playing, like obviously playing for Kurt. Um, he was the first coach I had really that, you know, was just one of the smartest lacrosse minds that you could ever talk to, or, you know, he, he, the way he drew things up and, the way he ran his offense, a lot of it ran, you know, with me setting a pick or, you know, me being the off ball guy. Um, so I just sort of started learning it there to be perfectly honest. Um, I played crease on the power play, which, you know, generally not your ball handlers are down there. Um, so in junior lacrosse, I started it and then really just transitioning into Edmonton. Um, you know, they had church there, they had Jared Davis, uh, Corey Conway and Mark and, you know, there's only one ball. Um, Corey Small was there too. So just trying to find your role and, and, you know, if my role is to set picks and get other people open, um, I'm happy to do that. And I was always happy to, to do that. And then in doing that, you sort of get yourself open and um, just sort of became what I was most comfortable doing um, to be perfect. And still to this day, like I, I prefer, you know, playing off ball. Um, I had a couple of years in Maple Ridge where maybe I would handle the ball a little bit more and it was good to be able to learn to play that way. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, sort of doing what your team needs. And at the time, you know, I was, I was always one B to Churchy's one A. So I was setting the picks and getting them open and letting them shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So maybe, uh, Paul, you want to maybe switch to kind of free agency here and, and that process? Yeah, for sure. Um, like, obviously, I think kind of it'll all tie back a little bit to Drexel. But, yeah, I mean, you say you're flying into SAS. So just, you know, your first year of free agency kind of, you know, I've been through it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Donnie, obviously Donnie's second, third year in the league. But kind of take us through that because, again, like, pretty big change for you obviously just kind of get your thoughts and feelings you know very successful team a lot of close friends on sas kind of take us through how free agency worked for you and kind of how you landed in philly you know what i actually never hit free agency i was traded um a good research paul and my bad. Donnie. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> sorry no no no. It's, it's fine it's totally good so i i could it's you know what like i I was traded in 2020 um, and it was like, so I moved to Philly. And so there was that COVID year where we played until March. Yep. So I was living in Philly. I'd moved in with um, my now wife um, that year. So I was flying back and forth from Philly to Saskatchewan, which was tough. Like it's 12 <laughs> hours each way. Oh, yeah. Um, still working a job and like trying to do all this and fly 12 hours on a Friday, fly 12 hours on a Sunday. And it was just like, it's daunting. So I think like 
not that the writing was on the wall, but like it was, I eventually thought, you know, I'm going to have to play out East or play for Philly or something like that. Right. So, um, but it was, it's kind of funny. It was right after that documentary came out with the Chicago bulls. It was that like last dance documentary. Did you yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah. When we were talking, we're like, all right, this is like, I'm doing one more year. Like, and not that like we, I vocalized this or spoke to the coaches or anything, but like, just our group sense was like Corbs is going back. Rubes is going back. Mark's going back. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back. Dilksy, like everyone was like, Hey, let's go back. Like, let's do one more full year. Cause we felt like, you know, we had a chance in that 2019 year in March where we got cut short. We're yeah. like, we got a shot this year, got cut short. So we're like, Hey, we got to do this again. Um, and it was that summer before we even got to that season. Uh, I got a call. I was in the PLL bubble actually uh playing for the water dogs and i got a call for uh from jammer and whenever he'd call me in the off season i'd always like kind of joke them be like you're not trading me are you so <laughs> i do it again and he's like yeah we are and i was like holy <laughs> shit. it really did like catch me off guard i i had no clue um and it was bittersweet like i i wanted to i had in my mind we were going back to do this you know one last dance and um, I was excited about it and like, um, felt like the, you know, we had such a good group of guys and that locker room was really, really close. One of the closest I've ever been with. Um, and then you sort of just left one random game in March. And that was like the last time I ever played with those guys. You know, you didn't yeah. get like the end of the season goodbye or anything. Um, end of the day, I've seen them all now and like, we've all like, I've talked to them. It's, it's totally fine now, but at the time, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, just, you know, having that all ripped away so quick. Yeah. I guess like not having that closure, like you say, especially when you were willing to commit to like those 12 hour flights one last time that, yeah, yeah. kind of sucks. But then, you know, you, you get to go to a, a pretty good spot in Philly and, you know, how's it, how's it been there? Obviously kind of, building a pretty good organization from the start and now you guys are starting to kind of reap the benefits of all that too so how's it been in philly yeah it's been great and like honestly from the moment you know i stepped foot there um it's just really like an a1 organization like the way they treat the players um a little different when i was there i'll tell you that much <laughs> a little different from when i was there they're great now i can that's uh, yeah i can't attest to that but um no, and uh, nothing but good things. Like, um, it's again, it's just a locker room that's so close and such like great people in the locker room. I'm sure that's a common theme you guys probably hear all the time. There's just yeah. a lot of those locker rooms in the NLL. There's just, you know, people you want to be around. And it's, it's, um, it's a reason why there's so many of those players in the NLL because those guys make it far, right? But um, no, it, it was, it's great. And it's great playing at home. Um, I've met a lot of new people playing on that team. And now some of those guys are some of my best friends and people I talk to all the time. Um, and it's fun to, to chase that championship again. Like there's a lot of people in that room um, who haven't won and deserve to win. And um, like you want to bring a championship to Philly. And, you know, I always tell people this Philly is the best sports town I've ever been in. Like it, it really is in my opinion. Um, they just get behind every sports team and 
they're not always the most positive fans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they're there, they're supporting, and, you know, they're passionate. Um, So I don't know what more you can ask for. So it's been really good. Um, I'm I'm excited. I love it there. Um, I hope I can be there for a long time. Where, uh, just quickly, uh, not really off topic, but where exactly uh, are you living? I'm in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yep. It's like 30 minutes west of the city. That's where uh, that's where the, the Big Attaway Bar is, right? Or whatever. Is I've never been to the Big Attaway Bar. Um, it may be, though. I think Frenchie, I think Frenchie owned a bar there for a bit. I, I had a meal there one time. I may not be called the Big Attaway Bar, but. He okay. owned it, but it was in Westchester for sure. So you've been out this way. Oh yeah, yeah. Spend, <laughs> I mean, spent a meal out there. Didn't uh, <laughs> didn't do much out there, but had a meal out there for sure. There's a little. But it's nice. Uh, it's like a beautiful area, though. There's a little borough, like or a little town that's um, ten minutes, and it's got like it's got like two strips of uh, or two roads that just have like bars and restaurants, and it's a little taste of the city without having to drive the. Uh, 30 45 minutes in there so yeah great. exactly so that's how far you're kind of like 40 minutes outside of philly yeah traffic can be bad so we can get into yeah. that 45 minutes to an hour but um, yeah. no traffic it's about 30 that's unreal that's great yeah so then um just kind of again tying into common ease so obviously you, you know you're playing pll like take us through the decision to come east i mean i, I mean you're already east living in philly but making that decision to not play PLL and then jump in the MSL and play for a uh, niche. Yeah. So for me, it was just a matter of, um, I'm not sure how, how much you guys know, but like what they, how they work. I mean, obviously John, you know, but there they were telling people the rosters on Tuesdays and then you find out like if you're active or inactive. And the year before I was like active for half of them inactive for the other half. Um, and so it was just tough. Like you book off every weekend in the summer to like maybe play. Um, you know, I was just at a different stage in my life being like 30 years old. Um, you know, not someone who's 22 trying to earn my, my spot on the team. I was kind of on the way out. Um, and then giving up all the summers, my wife's a teacher. So, you know, we have a lot of freedom to go do stuff in the summer. Um, and this was kind of holding us down. So it was tough. I mean, I, I really did enjoy playing in that league, but it just made sense to to move on and and um, not book off all those summers and to potentially play. And um, and then it just sort of happened. Uh, Landon Miller, who's the assistant GM with the Wings, um, was just texting me one night and he was like, hey, you want to play for the Chiefs? <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I never really thought about playing in the summer just being in philly but i would i would do it um uh kind of escalated from there i was talking to their gm dewey jacobs and then randy caught wind and so randy and i were chatting a bit and it just kind of snowballed from there and um yeah it was uh it was a fun really fun summer and played with a lot of guys that i've played against for a long time um so it was fun to finally be on their team and play with them and spend some some good quality time with them. How many uh, did you get? Did you just get your four games in during the regular season? How many games did you actually play? Yeah, in the regular was, uh, season? I had to play five in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, okay. okay. 
Awesome. And then, um, so yeah, I mean, again, pretty good decision caps off with a, with a big win. So then did you move up this way for like the playoffs or what were you doing for playoffs? Yeah. Um, my, my wife's a saint. We have, uh, we had a five month old at a time at home and I was spent a lot of time in Ontario for the playoffs. <laughs> I was there for, um, we actually had a trip in August, so I missed part of the first series. Um, but then for the Peterborough series, the second one, I was just staying up. Um, it's called the wellness center on the reservation. I stayed there for about a week. You didn't stay at the bears Inn. No, I didn't stay at the bears Inn. Where's that? It's like, it's right downtown. So, um, I never stayed at the bears Inn either, but, uh, a lot of guys, when I was, when we were playing at Roch, when Kurt Steyer's own Roch, a lot of guys would stay like tuesday nights at the bears Inn, so it was always like, oh, really? there's like there's, there's a little hotel right off of like chiefs wood road i think it's kind of it's almost like um it's almost kind of like a like cottages almost kind of but yeah it's just like a little motel right right downtown uh six nations so i didn't know if, if that was a spot i think it would have been fun but no we're at the we're at the wellness center and then so then you know obviously kind of you know pretty stack roster for you guys kind of blow through Ontario and let's just get right into the man head, mm-hmm. head out West. And then, so how did that all, that all go for you? Obviously other than winning, but how did, you know, your first series living, where were you guys staying, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. We were sort of staying out in Langley. Um, it was good. Like it was, for me, it was like being at home. So yeah, which is great. Yeah. It's kind of, it's actually, Sorry, not to cut it. It's actually almost cooler for you to go play east, but then mm-hmm. go back west and win it out west, really. Right. And it was just, you know, again, got to see some family. Family got to be there. Um, so I we stayed in Langley. Um, we just had a bunch of cars. We were commuting out to New West. Um, but it was cool. Like, we actually went out to Squamish, to the reservation there. Um, tonight they hosted us for dinner and just like experience all of that, like, um, the pride and everything. And just the support we had from all them was, it was super cool. And like kind of being an outsider, like looking in there and just like trying to soak it all in. Um, it was really cool. So, um, but we, you know, we ate most of our meals at the hotel, um, commuted to games, um, it was just kind of your usual, you know, shoot around in the morning, games in the evening, um, watch some film. I always find that man cups, I've, I've been to two in Ontario as well, where we got smacked pretty good, but, um, uh, it's almost feels like time is just, so you're the rest of your life just stops. And all you're really doing is like eat, sleeping and playing lacrosse for like a yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what happens when you got to play seven games in, in nine nights. Just not, there's not much time to do anything other than other than eat, sleep, and play the cross. Um, <laughs> like, I just, in your mind, like thinking about playing that many games in that short amount of time, especially like when you're playing in the NLL season, you finish a game and you're like, ah, oh, man, I'm sore. And, then, and like somehow you can just do it. I don't know what it is. Like we obviously had an incredible um training staff, medical staff yeah. there that would do everything they could and they were fantastic. So that helps. But um yeah, you just sort of push through the the soreness. Um yeah, it is funny, yeah, because even when I went back 
last year to Peterborough, like I, I had like six summers off or something like that. And then, yeah, you, you just like totally forget. Cause again, like you're sore after weekends, like you say, and then all of a sudden, yeah, but you can somehow play seven games in nine nights and, and get through, which is, which is crazy. And I don't think, you know, people really appreciate the man cup, but um, like, obviously you've played a new West, like growing up there and stuff, but I got to play a new West in 2009 and it, like watching the games, it was like the exact same. Cause like obviously during regular season, they're not packing the barn like that. But when that barn's rocking, like what a cool spot. And obviously there was a lot of support for Nash as well. Like you say, like mm-hmm. from the different reservations, I think a lot of people came out too from Ontario, but just take us through like that atmosphere. Cause I think like, you know, we've talked about kind of the best barns to play in Canada and like new West is up there. Peterborough's up there, but like they were packing that barn like right from the get-go which is super cool yeah it's honestly it's just like historic there like lacrosse is kind of ingrained into that whole community um specifically a lot of like in the older generation like there's just so much pride in being a salmon belly um so like every game they're honoring like you know past bellies players who are like legends of lacrosse um but it was so cool. Like every single night it was rammed. It was packed. And I played in the WLA for a lot of years and I'd never seen one game like that. Yeah. Um, the entire time I was there. Um, so to see Queens Park and just see lacrosse in general, get that kind of support um, in BC and in New West specifically was, it was awesome. Um, but to that like just having like you know the drums and all that stuff there it really does like pump you up it's really cool to 100 you know yeah it's just it's a fun experience to to have that support and um just be able to go out and play in front of those people for sure um so yeah then you guys win what was uh what was post game like what you guys end up doing you guys go back to langley stay downtown or what you guys end up doing yeah we went to we did our thing in the locker room um always the best part i find just being in the yeah locker for room, sure like you want to stay there sorry you want to stay there for as long you want to stay there <clears throat> that's one thing like you want to stay there for as long as possible yes in, it's in the locker room i remember rubish and i were just looking at each other and we were just like this is the best part like i don't we don't want we don't want to leave um eventually they kick you out though so um Especially when you're the visitor. Sorry? Especially when you're the visitor's team. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they didn't. The janitor's coming like 20 minutes after the game. The janitor's like, yeah, you guys got to fuck off. (laughs) And clean Uh, up all the champions. Yeah, our way down to the Roxy, actually. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, so we we were down at the Roxy until – yeah, I'm not sure how late everyone else is there, but I actually stayed in the city. My my parents have a place there, so I stayed there and was out early in the morning. Um, but it was fun. But like I said, best parts the locker room. That's where all like the memories and the yeah the champagne spraying and the good chats. It's just with like your team, no other like people there. Um, it's my favorite part. Yeah, it's unreal, man. That's that's great. Yeah, Ben, I wanted to ask. Uh, you know, going back a little bit, you're talking about how. Um, and we've had you for a while now, so so maybe you know one or two more questions here. But you, you were talking about how now that you're in Philly, you kind of want to win with those guys and have that experience. When you look back on those rush teams that were so good, 
um, three out of four, very close to four out of four. What was kind of like the the first thing that pops in your head of like what made you guys so great other than, you know, the obvious talent? In your mind, what 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 was really the thing that made those teams great? I think we just had like, I mean, Paul, you were on those Roch teams for those. Yeah, you guys, you know, right? like two or three. It's yeah, a, it's such a hard thing to put your finger on. Like, it's just like you've done it. You like after the first one at Edmonton, like you have the confidence that you can do it again. Um, you obviously have the talent, and then like you just know all the right pieces are there. It's just a matter of executing. Um, and everyone just competed hard. Like we had, you know, we were so comfortable all together and, um, you know, we were a pretty loose group. Um, so we're not, no one's like uptight or screaming before the game. Everyone's really loose and we go into those games and we're no, we're all going to give a hundred percent. We all know what our role is. Um, it's a hard thing to pinpoint, honestly. Um, it's just, we had all the right pieces. There's obviously a little bit of luck. Um, we avoided the injury bug for the most part. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, Paulie, if you have something else to add, but it's, it's just a hard thing for me to pinpoint. No, I mean like, yeah, it's just, I, again, I think, you know, from an outsider looking in, just, you guys were just a well-oiled machine in Sask. Yeah. Like speaking from Roch, like, I mean, I think we we're two totally different teams and just, it's kind of, kind of like you say, it's just everyone had a role. Like when you go down, it's just everyone had a role and somehow contribute to that championship. Again, it's like you may not have the best guys on defense or offense, but like this guy just fit a certain slot. And I think when you look at championship teams and like, again, kind of going back to you being an off-ball guy, like mm -hmm. that's what teams need. You can't have – five ball carriers we've seen it kind of like happen in this league and it, it doesn't work out you may have the best five ball carriers but it kind of doesn't work out and it just right. and then you look at those rosters and it's just like you start going down the names it's just like that guy f did what he was supposed to do and right. he did to a t and that's how we how we got through it right for sure um and just coaching too like you have you know a coach everyone's comfortable with you're not you know what i've found in, is hard in the NLL and you see it a lot now I think more now than at the beginning too is guys move so much like you it's hard to like you don't play with the same D guys or with the same O guys for longer than like a year or two and like yeah, sorry go ahead no just like especially like these last couple of years with yeah. five teams coming in like when when we were like when we won and when you guys won we were at what nine teams 10 teams for like five six years so there wasn't a ton of turnover there wasn't like it was harder for new guys to crack the league so again like when you look at your teams there was like no turnover essentially we added a couple guys here and there but it was like you say it was just like those same guys you knew yeah. what everyone was going to do and again like that's why i say like you know when we said at the beginning like one of the best offices it was because it was just like we, you would scout you guys and know exactly what you guys were going to, but we couldn't stop it. No one could stop it. And it was yeah. just like this well oiled machine somehow. It's just like a comfort level playing with yeah. those people. Um, and you know, you have your same seven, eight O guys, you have your same 10 to 12 D guys yeah. and everyone's comfortable. Everyone knows what the other person's going to do. And that's hard with all the expansion and, and all that. It, it's hard to, 
it's been hard to keep a team together like that um, in the past couple of years. For sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, really, really great insight there. Uh, so we like to end our, our interviews. I'm actually curious on this one because you wear a non-conventional or an unconventional number. Uh, <laughs> but how did you settle upon 90 and what's kind of been the, the story of your jersey numbers uh, throughout your career? Um, I've worn nine all the way up. Um, that was just my number. I was wore number nine. And then when I came into the NLL, uh, Curtis Knight was wearing nine for Edmonton and he was coming off. Honestly, he was coming off a really good season and he was kind of, honestly, he was more just, he was right up there with Mark as being like the guy on, uh, the rush. Um, so there was no way I was, I was getting nine on Edmonton. So I went with nine D. Um, we won. And then as soon as you win, you can't, can't change yeah, after, that. after and, that. Yeah. Um, so stuck with 90 and you never have any, any, um, crossover with 90 really there's not a whole lot of them out there so <laughs> yeah you don't have to fight anybody for it no <laughs> there's <laughs> not that many 90s out there that's awesome well yeah. paulie i'm good if you uh paul have you got any more questions but uh no man that was great that was a great chat man really appreciate getting you jumping on um yeah. i think this was another another long overdue your name has been on our list for a while so again we just appreciate you taking the time in and best of luck uh this winter man yeah, thanks soon. a lot, guys. It was good chatting with you. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah. Good luck with Parenthood. Thank you. Take care, guys. Good luck this yeah, season. Buddy. Thanks. Thanks, bud. Great interview with uh, Ben McIntosh here. I am in a full – I feel like I'm Sean Gillies against Chansey with my computer <laughs> right now. I woke up and I'm still getting shit rocked. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting hammered over yeah. and over and over. Yeah, no, great, great interview. I think I think you were saying this on the seventh take, but just over an hour, which didn't didn't feel like it. So yeah, good little chat with him. And I was saying, his brother Garrett, I got to play with him in San Diego for a bit. He's got the all time nickname of Turbo. Everyone calls him Turbo. He's he's a hell of a guy. So we should actually try and get him on in the in the next couple of weeks too, because I think he'd be a pretty. Uh, Pretty fun interviews. The guy always organizing the after parties always has something lined up at, at the post game. So, um, yeah, just thanks to Benny Mac coming on and, you know, kudos to his wife again. I, I kind of have a soft spot for that. Wives giving their husbands a little bit of a leeway, going to play the man cup with a five month old. So respect the hell out of her. And, uh, yeah, man, again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I was saying too. It's uh, it's cool for a guy who's won as much as he has. Uh, a Minto now a man, three NLL cups, um, just done everything. And I thought it was cool. We talked about that CAA championship that really meant a lot to him, and then also the in Pee Wee getting the shit kicked out of their team in Pee Wee, and how he thought that set the tone for like a Minto Cup, you know, down the line. It's just cool. Uh, I think it's a testament to him as a, a person and a teammate and that kind of thing. But it's just cool to see uh, the different memories that these guys have. Obviously, we. You know, we, we don't get that much time with our interviews, so we, we try to hit on on the big, uh, major, notable events, uh, but pretty dope uh, to hear him talk about, you know, that uh, those other events that, that maybe meant a lot to him. Um, I thought a really funny Kurt Miloski Mal- uh, story in there, too, uh, just getting bagged for uh, for fist bumping after a goal in practice. So uh, a lot of good stuff in there. But uh, I don't have too much else, Polly. If, if you're all good, um, Thank you again for listening, everyone, and uh, really appreciate everyone out there in the bird gang.
Nope. Peace, everybody. Appreciate awesome. you guys. Peace.